As I sit here this morning in this empty auditorium, I'm really poignantly reminded of how much I love our community, um, how much I, I love the privilege of gathering together, to lift our voices in worship, to pray together, to care for one another. Um, and I can't tell you how much I miss being here with you. Um, we genuinely have a really special community. We genuinely have a really special group of people. Um, and so for me, to be here on a Sunday morning without you uh, is harder than I thought. Um, I'm not sure how long we'll be in this place, but I know that when we are able to gather together, it's going to be a great reunion. It's going to be a great time of celebration. And so I'm looking forward to that. It seems that God knew. Um, we were scheduled to begin a new series this morning entitled This Day and Age. The focus of the series was to look at, at how we as a church face the challenges of living in this day and age. How so often we as Christians can be, can be challenged in our faith to live out a, a godly life when everything around us pushes against it. primary focus of the series was to be on the ever-increasing secularization of our world, how Christian values and principles continue to be challenged. And how do we face these times and live out Christ and the mission he's given us? In fact, out of these sermons, in an effort to pastor, to teach, to equip our congregation, Mercy Hill Bayview will offer a new regular event that we call This Day and Age. It will take place every fifth Wednesday of the month throughout the school year at our church family night. Our resident professor, uh, Bruce McCollum, and myself are going to host a group of special guests, and it will be an engaging evening of dialogue, live question and answer, and study aimed at asking and answering the most difficult and popular questions that confound Christians in this day and age, um, particularly those that are leveled at us by unbelievers. Now, as I said, I think God knew that we would be in this place because the focus of the series doesn't just prepare us for difficult questions in a secular society, but it also teaches us to live as Christians how to focus on what we need to focus on when we are facing the uncertainty of this broken world. We have a saying. Some people can't see the forest for the trees. And it means that for some, they can become so fixated on a single point that they lose sight of the total. That we can focus on, on a rotting tree or, or dying branches, allowing that to define our vision while missing out on the majesty and the beauty and the power of the forest itself. And we can limit our vision and in so doing, lose out on the greater truth. When we face the challenge of Christian living in an increasingly secular world, especially a world facing the fearful circumstances that we're facing now, I feel like taking time to look at the forest will be really important. We as Christians can often lose sight of the forest for the trees. We as Christians can become fixated on the rot of our society, on the increasing spiritual sickness of our culture, on circumstances that shake the very foundations of our world. And in, in doing that, we, we lose sight of God's majesty 
We lose sight of, of the beauty and the power that is found in Christ Jesus. And, and that is ours through the Holy Spirit. It is right and good that we as Christians look at our world in a serious way, that we, we, we contemplate and we strategize on how we as a church, we as a Christian family, as individual Christians, will approach the moral decay, the spiritual emptiness that we see arising in our world around us. But that contemplation needs to be done with a proper view of the majesty of our God. It requires the inclusion of the beauty and the power that is in Christ Jesus. With that in mind, over the next three weeks, I want to expand our vision to include powerful, beautiful practices that are rooted in the powerful, beautiful truths about our God. And the first of these practices, rooted in these truths, is we must first share the conviction of the sovereignty of God. If we're going to build lives, um, build homes, build churches that will survive and thrive in an increasingly unstable world, we need to share the conviction of the reign of our God. I want to talk to you today about that truth. God is sovereign. God reigns. He is the King and Lord over all things. That's the forest. When we look at the landscape of time and history, when we take in our culture and our society, we must see the majesty of his sovereignty. And the tree that is our current concern, the tree that is our current situation, is insignificant in light of the truth that our God reigns. The Word of God makes that clear, right? The Word of God shows us, the Word of God teaches us, the Word of God tells us that God reigns over all. Proverbs 19 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Psalms 135 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth. Romans 11 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. In 1 Timothy 6, he says, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If we're a believer, we all agree that the word of God says that God reigns over all. But I want you to think through the foundational statement that I made earlier, that we need to share the conviction of the sovereignty of God. There are two really important parts of that statement that act, act, and ultimately make the, the truth of God's reign relevant to our conversation throughout this series. We have to share the conviction that he reigns. Many of us believe in our heads that he reigns, but practice with our lives um, that he doesn't. We read the scriptures, we, we amen the preachers, but we look at our situations and we look at our circumstances, that are, the things that are taking place in our lives and in the world, and the belief in our head disappears pretty quickly. If we're going to lead our families well, if we're going to lead others well, we have to have the conviction 
that God reigns over all. And from that conviction, we have to share that truth. Our kids will never know the sovereignty of God if we ourselves don't practice and preach it. Our our churches will never know the sovereignty of God if we ourselves don't preach it and practice it. Those around us will never know the sovereignty of God if we don't practice and share it. We need to take inventory. We need to examine our, our own hearts and lives to see if we have the conviction of his sovereignty. And we have to make sure that our families know our conviction. And, and, that, and that conviction is important, particularly where we find ourselves even right now. Look with me at a well-known passage, a passage that we preached during our last series. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. It starts in verse 4 and it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to anyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now what I want you to do is I want you to take note of something in the middle of that passage that I think is easy to overlook that becomes significant in light of what I'm talking about today. In the middle of the message, Paul lets the people know the Lord is at hand. The most precise definition of the Greek phrase is the Lord is near you. Some commentators read this to mean the Lord is coming soon. But the Greek word here is more used to mean proximity and accessibility. And I think that makes the most sense in the context of this passage. The Lord is near and available to you. Paul in this this passage is, is emphasizing the Lord, the King, the Sovereign, is near and available to you. Don't read over this or or, or lose sight of the word Lord here. The Greek word that is translated here is kurisos. And, And translated as Lord, it means he who has the power of deciding. The master, the Lord, the sovereign, the prince. Paul is trying to establish in the hearts of readers that no matter what you are facing, he reigns. He he is Lord, and he is near. He reigns, and you have access to the one who reigns. And that that truth is, is abundantly important because of the next thing he says. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious for anything. And what he says later is, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. The conviction that God reigns, eliminates fear, and it establishes peace. When we are focused on the turmoil of our culture, on the threat of sickness, instead of the sovereignty of God, we live in fear. And we struggle to find peace. Paul, in looking to lead us to peace, a peace that passes all understanding, opens with, the Lord is near. 
the one who has the, the power of deciding, is near. The master, the king, is near. Don't be anxious about anything. The believer who has the conviction of God's sovereignty has no fear in the world's uncertainty. I really believe one of, one of the first tests of your conviction of God's sovereignty is the level to which you have fear in the, fu- in, the, in the face of future uncertainty. In light of this truth and our circumstances, I can't help but be reminded of something I used to hear in church all the time as a kid. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. We serve the sovereign king, the one who has the power of deciding, and he is near. We serve the one who has the power of deciding, the one who reigns over all things, the one who is sovereign, and he's available to us. He's near. Don't be anxious for anything, but with prayer, make your request known to that king. And the peace of God will rule and reign in your hearts. I want us right now to go to prayer. As we're encouraged to in this, to seek the peace of God in light of the sovereignty of our Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the midst of uncertain times. Uncertain times that for many has created fear and doubt. But Father, I pray that we as followers of Christ, those who know him, deeply know him, deeply have a conviction that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we will rest in that truth and we'll find peace there. Father, I pray that the reality that that we have access to the one who has the power of deciding will provide for us the comfort we need as we face uncertain times in a broken world. Father, I pray for a special peace for those who are part of Mercy Hill Church. That as we sit in our homes, as we go about our lives in the midst of what's going on around us, we will rest in you. And when we come back together, we'll be able to testify to the power of our sovereign King. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. What I want to encourage you to do now is if you're a parent, I want you to take the time to share with your kids about how the sovereignty of God has been important to you as you guys have navigated life. If you're a married couple, what I'd like you to do is turn to each other and share a circumstance or situation you're in right now uh, that you know you need to bring to bear the sovereignty of God in and then pray with one another about that specific challenge that you're facing. And maybe if you're watching this alone, I'd like to encourage you to pull out a pen, pull out a piece of paper, and write down at least three different things that you're facing right now that you know you need to turn over to the sovereignty of God and pray over each one of those specifically. And then when you're done with that, I want you to pull out the worship uh, playlist that we've, we've sent along with this video and spend a few moments in worship with the Lord. And I'm looking forward to the time in the very near future when we can do that together. Have a wonderful week.